Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. I don't know. I didn't even know Richard got in. Is Peter Gregory toying with me? Is he trying to make Richard seem folksy, like some aw shucks boy genius entering an everyman's competition? Mr. Belt? Mr. Belson? Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, it's just, it's sort of fading. Hello? 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 I'm, I'm hearing you, it's just the images. Okay, Nelson, shut up for a second. If you can hear me. Make a gesture. Conversations about collaboration, episode 41. Rajiv Iyengar is my guest this week. He's the CEO of Tandem, the virtual office for distributed teams. We talk about hybrid work, Yahoo, yes, Yahoo, productivity, presence, Spotify, Britney Spears, and debugging people. Let's rock and roll. Rajiv, where does this pod find you? In uh, cloudy San Francisco. How about yourself? Oh, I mean... Balmy, Arizona. It's uh, it's playing tennis this weekend, and aside from the hundred degree weather, which I'm used to as a dry heat, we had a thirty percent humidity kicker, and my partner had to hang it up early, uh, just because of all the perspiration. But anywho, I'm not uh, terribly good at tennis these days, but I like to think I'm not terrible at collaboration, and neither are you. And I wanted to dive right in. Um, tell me a little bit about Tandem and the problem it solves. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm Rajiv. I'm one of the founders of Tandem, which is a virtual office for remote and distributed teams. And what it what it does is, um, you know, it lets you see who's around, who's online. It shows you your team and a sense of uh, their presence, and then lets you talk, collaborate in one click. Um, and our very brief origin story: you know, my co-founders and I, we we all worked on productivity apps at Yahoo and at startups before. Uh, and after after Yahoo, we we started a company together, and uh, we were in person. But both my co-founders had kids, and so we transitioned from being in person to being remote. And we did not feel that same sense of collaboration that we did in person. We didn't have those moments of shared inspiration. We didn't have the uh, uh, when you have an idea and then you all of a sudden brainstorm uh, the sparks. Uh, and so we started asking ourselves like, well, what's missing? How do we bridge that gap? How do we get that sense of um, you know, real-time collaboration that we'd have in person? Uh, and many iterations later, we came up with, with this virtual office concept where um, you see who's around and talk in one click. You open Pandora's box, so I'm going to jump right in with Yahoo. Let's uh, do it. <laughs> famously, Marissa Meyer. Is it Mayer or Meyer? I thought it was Meyer. Is it Mayer? Which one is it? Did I stump you already? I think it's I think it's Mayor. You may have stumped me. Is it Mayor? Okay, my bad. Marissa Mayor famously um, banned remote work, and if I remember correctly, something like I don't know, three weeks after having a kid, maybe even less, she was back in her office. Although she did have a nursery, I guess, built adjacent to her office. Um, I, I find it interesting that you started on collaboration slash productivity tools at Yahoo, because from their perspective, you needed to be there to do it. And clearly you don't agree. And even if you did agree with a pandemic, that's kind of hard to do. Yeah. You know, it's, 
It's not, there's, there's some truth to that in that there are certain types of collaboration that are much easier in person. You know, I think that's, that's the reason we started Tandem. Um, it's funny you mentioned Yahoo. I, I think, uh, you know, we joined through um, two of my co-founders where uh, one of my co-founders companies had been acquired and then myself and another co-founder, the company we were in had been acquired in around the same time. Marissa had a bunch of startup people um, that she'd brought in to create new and emerging products. And there was a floor or a couple floors of one of the buildings where all of these, you know, recently startup people were collaborating and, and, and trying to create new products. And was this uh, that whole Mavens thing? Was it mobile analytics, something, something was the most contrived acronym ever. Oh, I, I don't recall that, but it it was just called MEP mobile and emerging products. Okay. Uh, and there, you know, even, even, uh, even now we, we talk about the feeling in the air, like the excitement in the air, uh, of, of that, that floor of startup people. There were certainly problems, you know, there were organizational problems and, um, you know, certainly it was at times, you know, because it was such an open office, so much excitement, it could be hard to, to focus and concentrate, uh, depending on your personality. But what was there, there, there was at least for a certain time, this, uh, this sense of possibility, this sense of, um, you could just feel it in the air and, and that kind of atmosphere it's not, um, it's not just an impression. It's actually because people are having conversations. You feel it because somebody comes by your desk and, and has an idea and you brainstorm and it goes somewhere and you pull in the third person and you have these, uh, these conversations before the meetings, after the meetings, at lunch. And it's, uh, there are, you know, there's, a, there's a trade-off there between you know, focus time, work-life balance, and this, this sense of you know, in-person collaboration, uh, but it's, it's a real thing. And, and that's, that's one of the things that, you know, we found, um, we found really missing from remote work. Yeah. When I was researching my book, it occurred to me that there were a couple of dimensions of collaboration. One to your point was in-person versus remote. Uh, the other one, and this was based on research that people had done, I think I quote a figure from 1984 or something, so I'm not exactly reinventing the wheel here, uh, but the other one was synchronous versus asynchronous. Um, you and I were talking about the, another potential dimension, growth versus convergence. What do you mean by that? Mm. Yeah, so this, this goes back to when, uh, so my co-founders and I, we started as a cryptocurrency company, and we went through several pivots, uh, you know, trying to find something to that had that had product market fit. And when you're in those early stages, um, there's not a clear direction. You're on an exploration together. And so there's a lot of brainstorming and uh, a lot of also trying to figure out, well, which of these five options do we do? And one of the things we found was in the early stages of an idea, ideas are fragile. So if somebody's excited about an idea and they share it and the other people uh, you know, tear it down critically. I mean, they may be right, but also the idea never gets a chance to breathe and to grow. And what happens is that you, you end up 
kind of stuck. Like you can't go in any one direction. So what we started to do was separate our conversations into growing conversations where we would help each other grow the idea into its strongest possible form. And then convergence conversations where we would say, okay, we think this idea is pretty strong. Can you help me tear it down? Can you help me decide what are we actually going to do? Are we actually going to build this app that we've conceived of, right? Are we going to launch it? How do we test it? Why might it fail, right? Like, and, and by separating those out, we found one, it was a lot more uh, just fun from a relationship standpoint because people aren't just tearing down your ideas all the time. And two, we were able to explore much more widely different. We were able to go deeper in certain directions much more quickly because we could go together rather than like each person pulling in a different direction. Um, it's something we still use for product features or for any sort of creative exercise. We try and separate, uh, it, well, is this a growing conversation that you want or a convergent conversation? Hmm. I would imagine that at first you may not really know. Right. I mean, or do you sit down and say, and I doubt this, and I'm reading your body language, something tells me that I know the answer to my question, but you don't sit down with the two of your co-founders or colleagues and say, it's time for growth conversation number six. Let's go. More of just the spontaneity. And then you may, after 30 minutes, an hour, whatever, say, hmm, this sounds like it's in bucket A or bucket B. Yeah. And and sometimes it's a way of debugging uh, something that feels, you know, bad. You know, you say you, we've all had those conversations where we're excited about an idea and somebody's tearing it down and it doesn't feel like a constructive tearing it down. It feels like, you know, Hey, I'm not, I don't, I don't want this conversation right now. And this was a way for us to debug why that is it's like, Oh, the reason I don't feel good about this conversation is I don't think this idea is quite ready for convergence yet. It still needs to grow into its fullest form. Can you actually help me grow the idea? And then let's switch to convergence. And so it's a really nice way of debugging those conversations. I love the notion that you're applying a software engineering mindset to a people problem, right? (laughs) Cue obligatory Silicon Valley reference, right? Uh, So help me debug some of the people. When it comes to helping them understand what you're trying to achieve, um, are some of the challenges maybe related to Tandem and how it overlaps with Slack, Teams, Zoom? I have a hard enough time, Rajiv, getting people to move off email to teams or to yeah. Slack, right? Yeah. The idea, in fact, this has happened to me on a number of projects over the last two years, some of which were even before the pandemic. I want to use a Trello board. They go, dude, yeah. stop with the freaking tools. I go, what do you mean? Well, we're already using teams. Teams should be enough. Well, teams doesn't do everything. Slack doesn't yeah. do everything. And they'll be the first folks to say, but the extent that which you can use these other tools. And I know you're a big fan of Figma and some of the other ones. Um, Am I doing something wrong or help me debug the mindset of we're using one tool. That's all you're getting from us. I'm not saying we have to use 60, right? We don't need Asana over here and Trello over there and another project management tool. But, you know, these tools accomplish something. And for whatever reason, I I can't get people to understand it. And it's not learning Python, right? This is drag something into a swim lane. Okay, it's finished. You put it into another swim lane. What don't you understand? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I think there there are there are so many tools now, and it's a wonderful thing because uh, there's so much more that we can do. And at the same time, many of the tools, especially in enterprise collaboration, have so many paths through them. Like Notion, there's so many things you can do with Notion. 
Uh, and so the, I think one of the challenges with uh, just getting your team to adopt the tools to work better is figuring out which of those paths you're going to start them on, which of those paths is appropriate for the team, for the company, for the, the need of the moment. Um, that's, that's, that's a really tough thing. You know, I think Notion is especially tough because it is so powerful. Uh, Figma is a little easier because it can be a, you know, an obvious replacement for design software and then it opens up so much more. Um, I think that's why you know, we've tried to be very, very focused on the real-time collaboration aspect. Uh, so it's, it's clear where we fit in. And the way, um, you know, the way people typically explain it back to us, like our, our, our users, our champions, is, hey, you remember what it was like to go from running your company on email internally to running on Slack, right? You, you could run your company on email, uh, but it's not designed for talking with your team. It has no notion of topics or channels or, or, or team members. It's just a one-size-fits-all communication tool. And so with email, you get these long threads that are really hard to organize. And then with Slack, everything becomes so much faster. And you can DM people and you can talk in groups. Uh, and then, of course, there's you know, the automations that open up with integrations. And you know, with, with Tandem, Tandem is really uh, the analogy to um, you know, going from a conference software to something that is actually a team list where you click to talk with your team. Uh, and it's, um, I think the reason the virtual office has, has resonated as a category for people is because it's the kind of thing you do in an office. You walk by somebody's desk and you talk to them. Uh, you go into a meeting and then afterwards you talk on the way out of the meeting. And so it's about that, that spontaneous synchronous communication. Mm. Um, and so what most teams find, you know, when they, when they go from using a conference model where you have to generate a link and then send the link to somebody and then wait for them to click on the link and then maybe slack them to remind them right when you go from that to oh i see you're free you just came out of a meeting um one click we're talking hey i got a quick question oh i'll, I'll you know let's pull in let's pull in vivi like we'll we'll have a conversation with her you start to have these much more fluid conversations um and it's, it's, uh, it really just transforms how you think about remote work and starts to blur the lines between you may not remember who was in the office and you know, who was uh, at home on a given day if you have a hybrid team. Yeah, I've long contended that the status feature was one of the most underused of Slack, Teams, Zoom, whatever. I mean, for people just, it, again, people think about Zoom as just Skype 2.0. It's not, even though Skype had yeah. status. But just the notion that I am open to chatting or with companies in core hours, right? I will be available from 10 to 2. But during those other times, I'm doing what Cal Newport would call deep work. Deep work, it's yeah. It's a shame that more people don't realize that you, know, you don't need to go to a scheduling link. And I'm a big fan of Calendly, right? Yeah. But then you have that whole thing versus just you got two minutes. You know, this is a this is a really interesting topic. You know, we... we we, we call this presence in internally, like uh, the idea, the presence is, uh, can you get a sense? Can you know intuitively what your teammates are doing? For example, when you're in an office, if you just close your eyes for a second, you'll immediately be able to call to mind who's in the office, who's not, who's next to you, who's out. You just, you're just aware of this. You don't have to check a list. Right. And so, so, trying to recreate presence in a digital 
form. It's, it's not just about status. It's also about little stories. Like if you see two people talking in a meeting, uh, you know, if I, if I am, let's say I'm waiting for, for one of my co-founders for a one-on-one and he hasn't shown up yet. And I see that he's talking to Vivi in their one-on-one. Uh, then I know I, I, I don't need to ping him. I know what's happening. And I might have some idea of like, oh yeah, he had a lot of questions for her. Like probably they're answering those questions. And, I, and all of a sudden I can complete that story in my head and I'm aware of this. All of these little stories happen around us. And without a sense of, without a presence, without a digital presence, we're just kind of blind and alone. You know, we, we, we know in theory that our team is talking with us and with each other, but we only see it when they talk with us. Um, so it, it's, presence is, is really important, really hard to do right. And I think status is just one piece of that because it's manual. You know, you have to constantly update it. Um, right. So, yeah, now, I mean, I, yeah. For, for now, though, I, I envision a future, and we were talking before we started recording, if you're using Slack, Zoom, Teams, whatever, for everything, right, more or less, and especially with the integrations, then it becomes the central posit- repository of knowledge. So in the future, maybe you don't have to manually set your status because the hub knows that from seven to eight, you're basically off the grid, right? You're not on any kind of device. You're sleeping, mm-hmm. you're eating yep. breakfast, you're on a run, whatever. So I, I understand why you know, the idea of manually setting a status, right? And you can set up, as you know, the defaults, but yeah. an override because as a matter of fact, I am free at seven today because my kid had to get up at 6 a.m. to go to the dentist or whatever. So I'm actually available. And I think that the more that we embrace these tools, the more they learn, the better the tools become. So it becomes this virtuous cycle. And when I think about the folks that are resisting this, I say to myself, you know, I can't force you to use tool. You don't report to me, but I know that if I were running an organization, particularly a startup greenfield, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you have this opportunity to imbue in the culture, this mindset, and I'm not going to say that you don't ever, you never get a second bite of the apple, but it's going to be harder. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, I think there's, there's a lot that technology can do to bridge that gap uh, for presence specifically Um, in tandem. I think one of the most um, salient features to most people at first is that we give you the option to share your current work app. So if I'm on Slack, you'll see that I'm on Slack. If I'm on Figma, you'll see a little Figma icon. If I'm coding, you'll see I'm in VS Code or Terminal. Uh, and you know, of course, you can you can always control this. You can choose which apps you share. Um, what it does is it gives this effort. You don't have to update it. You just your team gets a sense of what you're doing just by seeing what work app you're in. Um, and uh, right. you're probably not using VS code to create a PowerPoint presentation. Exactly. Exactly. And so this really increases the sense of presence where, you know, if I'm going to talk with Bernat, my, my co-founder, and I see he's listening to music because we also have a, we have a Spotify integration. So I can see he's listening to music and he's in Figma. I might chat him instead because he's in deep focus. Like he's listening to music and he's designing. He's, he's completely in flow. And so you get these, this sense of what people are doing and Bernat doesn't have to update his status. He doesn't have to decide, I'm going to go into design flow right now. First, let me update my status. He does not have to do that. He just, he just goes and, and everybody can be aware. 
And one of the, the most interesting things we found is that this, this is a little bit, going back to your comment on Cal Newport, deep work, right? Like this is, this is one of the things that's maybe a little counterintuitive, but by ratcheting up the presence, you increase your ability to disconnect. So by contrast, think about Slack. Slack has very minimal presence, green dot. You're always pretty much there. Now, I'm always just going to, if we're on a team, I'm going to Slack you at all hours. Even if you're grayed out, I'm still going to Slack you. There's, you're never really there, and so you're never really offline. I can reach you at all the times. The Slack folks so would will. argue that that's a feature, not a bug, right? Yes. So, right? And I, I think for, for asynchronous communication, it is a feature. Absolutely. Um, but for synchronous communication, for, for actually talking, you don't want to be available all the time. And then when you are available, you really do want to feel that like you're in the same room. Um, and so that's where I think just much deeper presence comes in. And, and maybe that's a good way to understand the difference between virtual offices, like not just us, but all the, the other virtual offices and, and a Slack or a Teams. It's like that focus on synchronous communication and presence. Yeah, it seems like it's a way of getting to know a little bit more about your coworkers. So right now you can see my background, I'm not using a virtual one. And you see mm -hmm. a Breaking Bad poster, you see a cover of the book, you see a Rush poster. Um, much the same way that if we were in a real office, you might see a, a picture of a dog or you know a, your favorite rock band you got to meet or something like that. The same mm -hmm. holds true for music, right? Which you know uh, obviously could be a good and a bad thing, right? On one hand, it's yeah, oh, I got to check that band out, or it's dude, Brittany, really? You're listening to Brittany <laughs> while you're hey, coding. I do my best coding with Brittany, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we hashtag free Brittany. hashtag free Brittany. Yep, yep. <laughs> We even have, um, you know, uh, a really popular feature has been the, the Spotify rooms where you can DJ for your, for your team. Oh, so you that's can get cool. that, that sort of experience where you're in an office and you like somebody has good music tastes that other people like, and they get to have their playlist play for the room. It's fascinating. One of my friends is a full stack developer, absolute rock star. I'd hire him in a heartbeat. He's just, uh, I was a, I'm a former college professor. I taught a thousand students or so. Uh, in person. And he was one of the five best hands down. And I'm always asking when he's listening to, when he's working on a project and he sent me a Spotify playlist of Mr. Robot. And I was listening to it and I said, oh, you know what? I could kind of understand how, if you were coding this, this would work for you. <laughs> yeah. That's, it's, it's a really nice insight to your, to your teammates. <laughs> yeah. Rajiv, I'll get you out here on this. What book are you currently reading? Oh, I am a little late to the party, but I'm reading The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. And yeah, there's just a, there's a ton of truth in it um, about startups, the challenges there. Uh, it's intense, but uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend it to anybody who's um, looking to do a startup. Good stuff, Rajiv. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks so much, Phil. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.
Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.